0: It sounds cooler than colitis, though. Mega colon sounds like you can just take gigantic <laughs> shits. <for
1: everyone's. laughs> yeah, it sounds like a one superhero either will have a battle with. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to another edition of Films on Trial. I'm Gav. I'm Alex.
2: I'm Joel. I'm Dave. I'm Sorry, I almost
1: missed my uh, (laughs) (laughs) kid. One job, man, one job. (laughs) So this week, we're putting the satirical disaster dramedy Don't Look Up on Trial. Is it Armageddon directed by Michael Bay or is it Pearl Harbor directed by Michael Bay? are uh, both it, terrible <laughs> oh maybe I'm getting a sneaky jab in early there <laughs> but you know one of them I feel like is more well accepted than the other one Bell Harbour yeah <laughs> <laughs> essentially we're going to find out if this film will be placed on our esteemed hit list or our steaming shit list But before we go on, our last film on trial was The Matrix Resurrections, which Dave judged and he deemed should be placed on the shit list. So Dave has since gone away and watched the film. Did he make the right call or not? Dave?
3: Yeah, absolutely. I didn't care for it at all. But then I I never thought I would care for it. I'm not a huge Matrix fan. You know, I, I thought the first one was good, a little overrated, but good. And then the second and third one I'd never cared for. I was never going to care for the fourth one. Maybe I wasn't the best person to judge. I was always going to be biased. But,
0: on but Dave, it's just an objectively shit film. Like it's, it's not, I wouldn't say is, it's yeah. about Matrix or anything. It's I just... was
3: trying to say I was, maybe wasn't the right person for it, but no, I think whoever was sat in that seat would have decided it was pretty shit, to be honest yeah. with you. Yeah, uh, thank God I'm not a fan. Otherwise, I probably would have been very disappointed. Yeah, it's, it's kind of, the, the wheels have come off. Matrix has had a good run. Uh, I, it, I do feel it's cozy has it, has it. I would has disagree well, it, no, you know had what? one film and then it was just destroyed it got off the starting block well and it's kind of been ambling along at it's own pace ever since it, um, needs, it needs taking
0: round the back and shooting Dave <laughs> oh,
3: yeah, yeah. yeah I mean I judged it and you're being harsher than me <laughs> <laughs> no I mean it, I never thought it would be for me but yeah, watching it just confirmed it's, it's not for me at all not, not a very good film
1: well thank you very much for that Dave Now on to this trial. So all of the roles have been picked out of the hat at random. So acting in defense and trying to get this film placed on the hit list is a man who is just like Mark Rylance's character, Peter Ishawell, as in he's a borderline technical genius who dresses in black polo necks. It's Aussie. (laughs) (laughs) And he always encourages us to get naked as well even when the situation is wholly inappropriate. <laughs> oh, see take the hint. And joining him is a man who is just like Leonardo DiCaprio's character, Dr. Randall Mindy. He started dressing nicer and trimming his beard, but let's hope that he doesn't completely abandon his mission to teach the uninformed. It's Alex. Hey. <laughs> And acting as prosecution and trying to get this film placed on the shit list is a man who is just like Timothy Chalamet's character Yule, in that he wears band t-shirts and hangs around outside buildings smoking and looking intimidating. It's Dave. and he's a bit of a boat, Am I right, guys? <laughs> oh,
3: bless you.
1: And joining him is a man who is just like Meryl Streep's character, President Orlean, in that he's disorganized, keeps people waiting for a long time, and surrounds himself with a bunch of simpering, glad-handed yes-men. <laughs> <laughs> it's me. <laughs> oh, Just like real court advocates, the defense and prosecution will be making the best case for their roles. These may or may not be their real opinions though so do stay tuned until the end of the episode to hear their genuine thoughts and in the role of the judge who has to decide which list this film should be placed on hit or shit based solely on the arguments put to him and not using his own opinion it is joel who is just like ron palman's character benedict drask he's blunt and he's always blasting his load up into the sky (laughs) 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 Oh, you save the best to last, don't you? (laughs) (laughs) Now, before we get started, I think we should probably give the audience a bit of a better understanding as to what this film is all about. So let us spin the Wheel of Impressions. So here, what we do is we read off the synopsis of the film in the style of one of the cast or characters from the film. This week, it has landed on Dave again. Dave, you are getting it week after week, man. Probably I, I, you're want my, to I want so my face good.
3: swapping. I want my face moving on that wheel. Yeah, so, so,
1: uh, I
4: always it's a
1: weighted Freddo. I did it flat. I did not flat. Do you want me to go again? I, I'll, 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 go, I'll go again. And if it lands on Dave, then Dave has to do them for the rest of the month. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Uh, it's landed on Alex. It's landed on Alex now. So it's not a weighted Freddo. But anyway... Ignoring that, Dave, you're doing it this week. <laughs>
3: <laughs> so, how okay, would you like so, Dave
1: to read the synopsis?
3: Yeah, what terrible impression do you want this week? Mark, Mark Rylance? Okay, yeah, that's it. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's putting on an accent, at least. Yeah, there's something yeah, yeah. there. So, kind of high pitched and yeah. sl- slight American accent, but yeah, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. Okay. Okay, let's have a go. Uh, two low level astronomers must go on a giant meteor tour to warn uh, mankind of an approaching comet that will destroy planet uh, Earth. Oh, dang.
1: (laughs) That was amazing. (laughs)
0: I think think Dave spends the week leading up to his podcast doing an impression practice of every single character. character, Just 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 in case, yeah, just to to find out. I was listening to to your Willem Dafoe one the other day when I was listening to the Spider-Man. It was like, it was out of this world.
1: I haven't listened to that one back yet. (laughs) Let's not oversell it. (laughs) I will say that like maybe there are some elements of this podcast where we say stuff is randomly picked, but it <laughs> ends up not being randomly picked. But I will say that this is 100% randomised. Dave doesn't know mm-hmm. what impressions... Well, First of all, oh, he close. doesn't know that it's going to land on him. Well, I probably can guess because it's a way to Freddo. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but then he doesn't know what we're going to ask him to do. So well done, Dave. Well done. Okay, without further hesitation, Joel, would you like to please kick off proceedings? <laughs>
4: I certainly would. So already I'm a little bit annoyed because I wanted to watch this film and, and now it's going to be spoiled. So <laughs> you're already like kind of up against it, I would say. But <laughs> all I'd need to know is a brief kind of synopsis what the film's about. I have heard that it's quite divisive. Um, so I think it's probably a good one to uh, sink our teeth into. So let's start off with the defence.
0: I, I, I was surprised it was divisive, to be honest. I'm... and I don't know, the film's just extremely effective at what it does. It's basically, the film is about a A comet is coming to wipe out humanity, okay? Uh, two scientists figure out that this is happening and they try to warn humanity. It's an allegory for the climate crisis and it's about how actually difficult it is to get humanity's response. It's basically like Armageddon, but what would actually happen if people were actually allowed to, you know, if, if it was like the media got involved rather than just, you know, like some straight response. It actually kind of is what's happening with the climate crisis. Basically, the story starts with Kate DiBiaski, who is a scientist and astronomer, and she's spotting a comet heading for Earth. Her sort of PhD professor, Dr. Mindy, played by Leonardo DiCaprio, calculates it's going to hit in six months and it's going to wipe out all life. And NASA confirms this. So they do what the sensible thing is: they tell, they try to tell the president. But she's uh, president is played by um, Meryl Streep as President Orlean, and they're indifferent. They don't see any sort of political, they see any political blowback. They don't want to be announcing the Wipeout. So, you know, they just, they're not interested in doing it. So instead, they decide to leak to a morning talk show who treats it more like a fun extra segment. Dibiaski loses her mind about this. And, you know, she just goes on a rant. She says, you know, 100% for sure we're all going to fucking die. But then she's trolled and disregarded. So it's kind of like turns into this nightmare scenario where they know that this is happening. They know a comet is coming, a bit like we know that the climate is, you know, impending doom is coming. But that everyone just has this this indifference, this apathy towards it. Even though it's six months, no one wants to hear it. No one wants to deal with it. Mindy, on the other hand, is sort of seen as like a hot scientist. But the actual news is buried and sort of NASA colludes in it. But then it turns out that President Orlean is involved in a sex scandal, and then she uses it as a political issue. So this idea that the comet is coming to kill a planet is used as like a political issue. So then they start to get by it. They plan to strike the comet with nukes, but tech mogul, who's played by Dave, Farrow, I mean sorry, uh, not Dave Farrow, it's uh, who's the <laughs> other guy, Mark <laughs> Rylance. <laughs> Mark Rylance uh, plays I mean, He's got it. that role. <laughs> He wants to break it apart, this uh, comet that's heading for Earth, to mine it for valuable minerals. So Greed wins out and they decide to, instead of firing nukes at it, they abort it and they try to, you know, mine it. It sort of starts to factor off and you've got Dibiaski with Jennifer Lawrence, sorry, who tries and fails to organise like a response to this. And Mindy instead, Leonardo DiCaprio's character, tries to work within... You know he's colluded basically and sort of co-opted into trying to work with the government on this opinions divided and you know the you know the world becomes like you know they've got these people that are saying it's alarmist the comet doesn't exist that you know you've got these people saying we need the jobs that the comet and you've then got people who are acknowledging the threat and then finally it sort of comes to a head where mindy unravels he can't support it anymore he has this amazing rant on telly about you know what's what's happening uh, the comet then appears in the sky, and even then, people cannot get their heads around it. People are saying, just look up at the sky and see what's happening. And people, you know, start chanting, don't look up, don't look up. So it just becomes completely politicized and polarized. All attempts to mine or destroy just completely fail, and humanity is doomed. So then we see the rioting, we see what would happen at the end of the world. And, you know, it ends where the planet is destroyed by the comet. You know, some people try to get away, but... People just, you know, everyone's destroyed right at the end. It's bold and it's uh, frighteningly plausible. It's an incredibly important film to watch. And yet it's still very, very entertaining. You've got this huge cast that are brilliant in it. You've got a really powerful story. That's an allegory for climate science without becoming preachy because it's actually about the comet. So you can explore all of these issues that are going right now about the impending doom that is completely facing our planet. But you can look at it, and you can look at how, even if it was a comet, you can see the systems in place. It's both fun and it's what you should be watching. So it manages to do both those things. There's just nothing else like it. It's surprising when you're watching it, thinking, "Why aren't more films dealing with the impending doom of the planet?" There's so much to get into about it, but I hope I've just given you a bit, a brief overview. It's the ascent, the essence of the story is that the planet's about to die, as it is, and that people can't look at it. The reasons why. We aren't dealing with the climate crisis. That's what the film's exploring.
4: Okay. Well, I'm not going to lie. Like I, I was enjoying just Alex telling me what the film was about. To be honest. So, defence. Is it as
2: interesting as Alex made out? It definitely is. It's maybe more interesting than Alex made out. Absolutely. <laughs> okay. Uh,
0: back <laughs> to the defence. Wait, wait to undermine me, son of <laughs> a.
1: Uh,
0: yeah. Prosecution. Yeah. It
1: is. It is not. I'm sorry, Alex. I, 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 I can tell from his speech, he's very passionate about this. I think he, he genuinely believes what he's saying. But I, for one, and I'm not the only one that thinks this, found it incredibly preachy. Like This film, the whole context of the film is about trying to convince the uninterested, the non-believers, the skeptics, the conspiracy theorists, the right and the left alike to take this threat seriously and do something about it. And obviously, I understand it's an allegory for a climate crisis crisis this could have been a very thought-provoking film that could have genuinely changed hearts and minds if delivered correctly, but it instead becomes this unsubtle and almost condescending shit-slinging display at the most obvious targets. The big bad conglomerates, the media, the Republican Party, all of the characters are paper-thin. I I don't know what Alex was talking about before, but I found them paper-thin caricatures, which I'll go into a lot more detail about later on. So they definitely don't help when it comes to, to delivering any meaningful messages. But the central message, this warning against the impending shitstorm that is global warming, is almost lost amongst Adam McKay's many, many gripes and pot shots whether it be people's fixation with celebrity culture in the form of the air-headed pop star riley beaner or the invasive and insidious nature of smartphones and tech or the brash head in the sand idiocy of fox news style reporting or clickbait articles or manbags, bags the list goes on and on and on and when ordinary hyphen characters do appear, they are once again unbelievably one-dimensional caricatures. For example, Ron Perlman's old racist astronaut or even the more normal characters of Kate's parents who welcome the comet because it will provide jobs for all. The film goes off the rails in the third act as the agreed mission to destroy the comet is hijacked by tech mogul Peter Ishawell, who believes that, as Alex said before, the comet can be mined for valuable raw materials. Then we spend a good 45 minutes, I'm going to say, where the president and a do for son go on the campaign trail trying to convince people don't look up, even though everybody was in agreement weeks ago that there was definitely a comet. So Ishuel's mission to carefully split up the comets into manageable chunks is inexplicably left until the last minute and then obviously goes horrendously wrong with no way back. At this point, the film has become even less subtle and becomes less of a warning message about things to come and more of a condescending act of finger-pointing. But the general message of this film feels like for me it's come far too late it feels like a film that should have been made 15 years ago warning of us the things it's highlighting like the populist presidency the rise of tech moguls and consumerism the power of news corporations and their influence on the government but it feels less like a warning and more like a smug told you so closing of the barn door after the horse has bolted so this leaves me with the question What is this film's purpose? Is it to warn people of the dangers of everything I mentioned before? Is it to change hearts and minds? Who is this film really for? This isn't changing opinions or winning anybody new over. In fact, it probably disengages and disenfranchises any viewers that McKay probably thinks need convincing, hence why this has been so divisive. But... It is so heavy handed with this messaging that there are so many other potshots about other aspects of popular 21st century life and culture that I think a large portion of the viewers who were originally on Adam McKay's side would probably be switched off by this as well. I liked the big short. I liked most of Vice, but I think maybe the subject matter, climate change and COVID and all of the other gripes and issues that McKay shoehorns into this, it all just became too much to tackle. And instead it ended up becoming the movie equivalent of a crazy old man standing on a street corner shouting that the end is nigh.
2: I just want to jump in here, right? Is that I, Your argument literally epitomizes what the film is about like art imitates life mate that's what's going on here that's what he's done like in order to in order to reflect upon what's going on in life you've got to be as soul as a brick that's the whole point that's what happens these days and and the film is exactly that and and its its purpose is to be entertaining it's like why did they make matrix four the purpose was some money and to try and be entertaining there's you don't always need a a reason to create something other than than the fact that you're creating art, you make of it what 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 you will. And and for me, the film I think really did capture. I think it nailed the emotions at the end. It was it's funny throughout, and then captures genuine emotion at the end where you think, shit, this is a big this is a big epic piece, and it doesn't matter that the 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 the, you know, the, the, the horse is already bolted. That's kind of the point. And you you're your argument about he should have made this 15 years ago. Yes, exactly. And again, that's the point. We should have shot the asteroid down when they first seen it. And yet they didn't. So it's-, Honestly, it's
1: as, yeah. as unsubtle as the message was, I get it. You know what I mean? This isn't art for art's sake. He's making this film to like give his opinions and to you know, spew his messages. I, I, I can spew his got, messages.
2: He's got, <laughs> <laughs> he's got the platform and he's doing it. He's on his soapbox and fair oh. play to him.
0: Sorry, sorry, I, I know I'll, I won't, but the, the big issue I have with what Gav just said there was that he's spewing his opinions somehow, like that the climate crisis, like the, no, the comet is coming. Do you know what I mean? It's I'm this is not the thing that all links fact... into. And, and no, I know you're not, I know you're not a climate what, denier, Gav. What I'm, not, I'm, I'm not saying you are. <laughs> yeah, but, no. but, but like, what I'm saying is the film isn't trying to convince, Gav was saying that this didn't convince people who's this bringing on side, who's it for. Mm. The whole point of the film, from, from what I saw, is that it's not about convincing people, it's saying there's a comet coming, we shouldn't be divided, we shouldn't be having these debates, we don't need to debate this anymore, it's not who who's on what side of the argument, who's, who's polarised, there's a comet coming, there's an impending disaster, and we need to get our shit together, that's the whole point of the film, and that these people are saying we just need to get our shit together, we need to destroy this comet. It's really not. I didn't think it was having pot shots at Republicans or I didn't think it was trying to be polarizing. I think it was saying that we're all here together as humanity and we need to deal with climate crisis. And, And that's that was the huge strength of
1: the film. But it, but it was though you know like the, when they go on the campaign trail that was literally well I mean you you could watch that side by side to footage of Trump's campaign and you wouldn't know the difference it was it was ripping into Republicans it was ripping into Fox News it was ripping into tech moguls you know it, it's it was doing those things I would rather them just you know say say that and be like okay here's a lot of money to helping the the issue because what he's done is he's created such a divisive film. It has polarized people. If anything, I think this film has done more harm than good for the climate crisis. I think that's nonsense. I think I
2: think it takes all sides of the argument and 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 takes them to the extremes. It's full on satire on both sides. Like the the concert with Ariana Grande. Like it's it's literally the two extremes. It's like here's the the left doing fucking stupid fundraising gig when we should be doing something up here and you know and she's like it's the cult of celebrity and then yeah you had the 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 rallying of the the uh, orleans supporters you know and and yes there's clear comparisons to to the trump campaign with the cap and all the rest of it but it's because that's what's that's you know that's funny at the moment that sort of thing is what people are poking fun at you know the internet memes everything like that people are taking fun of both sides and and it's I think he's captured it pretty well. And I think it's funny enough uh, on both sides that people can get it. And I'm sure that there are a whole host of people uh, offended by the film because they don't want to, you know, they just want to, you only see the side that, that that's going to affect you, don't you? So if you're not in, if you're not already seeing the comet, you're going to be offended. Yeah.
4: Okay. So messages aside, like, you know, the, the subject matter of the film aside, um, You know, does the film work, Dave? You know, obviously I've heard there's aspects of comedy in there, you know, drama, you know, whatever else. Do you think that it it works, you know, as as a total package or do you think that, you know, it kind of tries to do too many things at once type of thing?
3: Um, I think it's a very strange film. You get a bit of a mishmash here. Obviously, it's got a very important uh, like, sociological message behind it, which, of course, isn't lost. Like Gav said, you know, it's, it's not the most subtle of messages. It's pretty much battering you over, he- over the head for two hours, 20 minutes, the entire runtime of the film. So alongside this message, you've also got these elements of comedy, and I didn't find it particularly funny. I thought there's, there's the odd joke in there that was pretty good, but for the most part, a lot of the comedy falls flat. And then add on top of it the fact that this feels quite real. You know it feels like okay obviously we're talking about a comet you know it's, it's exaggerated terms but in terms of denialism uh you know the media not taking it seriously government not taking it seriously it all feels very plausible in ways kind of blown up to the next level but plausible and that in itself is actually quite depressing it, it's hard to watch a comedy film that makes you miserable and and that's kind of what this film does you know it's it's a very depressing film it's kind of like yeah we're all going to die aren't we stupid uh, and that, that comes back around to what Gav was saying about kind of the smug, condescending nature of the film. But yeah, it's it's a film that doesn't make you feel good, and it's a film that it's hard to laugh at um, when you don't find it all that funny, and when you don't find it particularly satirical in that in that vein. It's it's making all the right points; it, they're just not hitting home. And I think it's a similar point to what Gav was making about all the various targets that the film picks out, social media and politicians and all that sort of thing. It, it's got its targets that they're in the, in the crosshairs, but it's pulling its punches for some reason, particularly I found with the media. It just doesn't go for the jugular. It doesn't go for that kill point, which I feel Adam McKay, when he did the big short, he didn't pull his punch. When he did Vice, he didn't pull his punches there either. In this one, I feel that he's he's gotten a little wrapped up in the message and it all got a little one note throughout. And so you've got all these... Particularly vibrant colours going on this canvas, and none of them emerging. It's all clashing, and that's why the film—say what you will about it—it it is a very strange film.
4: Okay, Alex, what about you? Did you think the comedy hit home? Okay, did you find it funny?
3: Yeah, I thought it was. I
0: thought it was extremely entertaining. I mean, I, I you know, like Dave. Dave's not wrong. You know, we're talking about a world, of, of, a film that's about the end of the world. So it's not like laugh a minute. But the fact that you are laughing and the fact you are entertained when you're watching it, which is down to a hugely, you know, just a fantastic ensemble cast. And, you know, these really good performances by Meryl Streep, who's, you know, Trump, but also sort of her own thing, you know, the, and Joan Hill adds a lot of comedy. The script's absolutely fantastic. The script's absolutely brilliant. And, it, and you know, it's not meant, to, it's not dumb and dumber, do you know what I mean? It's not trying to get your chuckles and something like that, but it's trying to bring extremely serious subject matter to you And make it look entertaining. And, you know, there are elements of just, you know, we do live in a sort of a post satire world. You know, it is very difficult. Gav and Dave were both saying it's heavy handed and unsubtle. And I'm sorry, but I think we left subtlety. If you're dealing with the issue of climate change, we left subtlety a long time ago. The president of the United States in real life told everyone to drink bleach during the COVID pandemic. Do you know what I mean? Like, businesses, business leaders these days, Think it makes business sense to destroy the planet you know that that is the reality of the world we live in the best person to fight against climate change is a teenage girl do you know what i mean they, they, you know we, we we don't really have the the luxury of subtlety or not being heavy-handed and to to bring a film which ends with the destruction of a planet and to make you laugh like there are little bits of jokes that run through it i did laugh out loud in certain bits but you know if i gave you the impression that this was A chuckle, you know, a chuckle a minute, then no, it's not. But it is. What is the
4: actual kind of mood of the film? Is it like more like hearted or is it like quite heavy?
0: No, it's very heavy subject matter.
4: And it shouldn't. shouldn't... I mean, how does it It, it, feel when you're watching it?
0: You know, you 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 feel engaged because it's so, it just feels like so accurate. You feel like this is, you know, like Dave said, Dave, Dave said it perfectly. It was, it's very plausible but everything's dialed up a little bit. So it's very bold. I wouldn't say it is subtle, but like I say, it shouldn't be subtle. But you are laughing at bits, but also, you know, yeah, it's it's still very, very informative and entertaining. So it's a real look at climate change in a, in a slightly absurdist way, but being frighteningly plausible, I think would be what is the essence of the film.
4: Okay. Ozzy, did you have something to add there or...?
2: No, it's exactly that. It's it's not a it's not a happy film, but it is entertaining, and you do laugh along the way.
1: I 100 I percent agree with what Dave was saying. This is such like frightening subject matter, and it's not dealt with as like a, as a laugh out loud comedy or even a laugh a minute. I feel like the main joke here is sort of political satire, which I you know ordinarily really like. I love the thick of it. I think Veep is brilliant, but this just misses the mark massively. The comedy just feels Very obvious that the main jokes for me are like parodying Trump and his administration, which is a parody of itself, as Alex said, and poking fun at his supporters, which it just feels a bit old, especially now that he's no longer in power. If this would have been released in 2019, maybe even early 2020 at a push, it may have been a little bit more relevant, or maybe the jokes would have hit home a bit more. But coming in 2021, it feels like it's just it's just not timed well. It feels like an elderly relative who's just gotten into a TV show incredibly late and keeps on repeating the catchphrases from that show over and over again and hoping that you'll laugh. And they just don't understand that the jokes are old and tired and weren't even that funny in the first place. It, it, it just doesn't hit. As, as Dave said, you're trying to watch this film and the entire time you're like, fucking hell, yeah, we're all fucked and nobody's doing anything about it. And then when the film ends, That's you're just great. like... That's what it's gonna be. How is for? that great? How is that no, I'm not as saying, as saying as that's a, a great message. But that's what the film wants you to think. Oh, that's the but, we all, but the thing is is we already know that i don't need to fucking see in front of two hours and 20 minutes and get fucking depressed to shit with like just it feels like as you said as he said before like him on his fucking soapbox just saying oh we're all shit we're all shit we're all gonna die it's like i know but, that but, i don't need to but be we actually are and we're doing nothing about it like we are it well, why is does, like, does he do something more useful about it they're making some mediocre film so let's move past the
4: message like you know i think we've covered that yeah
2: yeah gav stop repeating yourself
4: (laughs) (laughs) yeah okay so so let's move on to the casting characters then like gav you mentioned before that they are kind of paper thin characters that some of them are character caricatures um which kind of sounds disappointing to me obviously the, the the cast on paper is absolutely amazing probably one of the best that we've seen like in in recent times so Uh, Like, why are they so bad?
1: Like, it's plainly evident that this film is a bit of a, an Oscar bait job. You know, all of the marketing for this film focuses on the calibre of the performers. Oscar, Emmy, Golden Globes, even Grammy wins and nominations are mentioned in the movie's marketing. But no matter how many accolades the cast have won previously, it doesn't mean that their performances in this are going to be of the same high quality. It's like when you see a Nicolas Cage movie that mentions the fact that he won an Academy Award, but it doesn't stop the fact that it's a straight-to-DVD movie made for about 200 quid and it's called something like The Skeleton's Anus. It it's just not going to be good. <laughs> like, I would watch that film. So. <laughs> <laughs> like My gripe here isn't solely about the marketing, don't get me wrong. It, it's why get such esteemed, decorated actors into essentially play such poorly written one-dimensional caricatures. Leonardo DiCaprio is playing a much more muted character than he usually plays. So I know you, Joel, you're a big fan of DiCaprio. I think you will be disappointed by his performance here because I think he's been massively miscast. He doesn't play the stereotypical meek, unconfident astronomer very well. The only real part of his performance, which was noteworthy and benefited from his acting abilities, was the tirade, you know, not Fox News at the end that Alex mentioned, which about 15 minutes of the film left. The rest of the performance could have and probably should have been done by somebody else who was much more convincing Granted, though, you know, one thing I did like about it is his character is, you know, seduced by the high life. And that was maybe the most interesting part of the film for me. But it was also quite unbelievable. Firstly, that a character with so much integrity and conviction at the beginning would be seduced in that way. And that he would abandon not only his family and his colleagues and his findings, but also his principles like that. And secondly, that it would take him that long, literally the day before impact, before he realizes the error of his ways, it just felt very implausible then you've got jennifer lawrence another academy award winner similar to dicaprio she doesn't have a great deal to work on script wise she has this great big passionate outburst on not fox news and then she's labeled hysterical and then that's it Her character just drifts away into the background she ends up getting into you know grungy timothy chalamet which doesn't add anything to the plot at all you could essentially remove that aspect of thinking it wouldn't really you wouldn't notice really and that that's it Her character was was a Bit of a disappointment for somebody of the caliber of J Law. Then Kate Blanchett, once again, amazing actress one of my favourite actresses of all time, limited to some caricature of a Fox News presenter. I could go on and on, but the main person I want to draw attention to here is Meryl Streep. Here lies my biggest problem with the film. When she first appeared, I thought Mackay was making a statement about climate change and power in America and that it doesn't really matter who is in charge, Republicans, Democrats, whatever. It's not being taken seriously, no matter how much devastating and genuine evidence is presented. And I thought, you know, it was him... Maybe not so subtly demonstrating this, but not overtly, uh, not overtly showing the president's parties or allegiances, and um, by combining traits and identifiers of each Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump. But as the film went on, President Orlean just became a, a mini version of Trump. You know, Jason Orlean just became that fuck with Trump Jr. Whatever his name is, and it felt like the film just became another dig at right wing policies or populism which just felt a little unnecessary and late to the game in this era of Biden's America. It would have been a bit better if it were a dig at both parties and a wake-up call to all of us. But in my opinion, it just ended up missing the mark. And speaking of mark, what the fuck is Mark Rylance doing in this film? The rest of the cast are playing caricatures, but at least they are believable caricatures. Mark Rylance is playing a character from an outlandish and outdated SNL sketch about supervillains. You know, Ishael is the real villain of the piece here. He's the personification of these massive corporations who are dicking the planet over and peddling mass consumerism and swaying political opinion and discourse. If Mackay was going to be so on the nose with all of his other characters why isn't this character like a bit like jeff bezos or mark zuckerberg but instead he feels like a pastiche of steve jobs played by keith lemon it it just makes the character more laughable than loathsome
4: okay well the, the casting characters are big enough that i think i'll let everyone have a say on this so we'll go to the defense and then back to you dave ozzy what what do you think do, do you take issue with what gab said there
2: Completely, I think I've just gone on a on, on a rant for the sake of going on a rant just to filibuster the time.
1: Like, Since the guy who during an argument for a film will start talking about a completely different film. <laughs> well, yeah, Sometimes
2: but, like when
4: I was speaking, I have to sense. Google what some of his words actually mean. <laughs>
2: <laughs> but but, but you know, I think that I think that Leonardo DiCaprio does an absolutely fantastic job of this. He is the he is the nerdy astronomer at the start you know and he he went off he'd done genuine research to, to be that character and i think it's very believable at the start as a teacher as a and in front of the little the phd students i think gav's gripe with jennifer lawrence getting sort of dropped midway through that's part of the that's literally part of the film and captured is that they turn her into the baddie because they—it's all about media presence, and that's a, an entire storyline. Is that they put the two of them out, trot the two of them out to give the story? She goes off on one because it's so serious, and the rest of the world decides we don't like her. She's given us a message we don't like, and you know they should have spoon-fed it to us. So then they just drop her. They name the comet after her. So then she's a she's the baddie, even if she doesn't want to be the comet. And they're on about you know we're against it, our common enemy. And then the are calling after us. So that's why she drops off. You know, she's just she can't win. And that's why she's she is the baddie. And then there's she falls into, into the, the Chalamet's group. And you know, that's kind of a nice just off just so you don't forget about her, she's there and then they all come back. But for me, it doesn't matter that there are a lot of one-dimensional characters in this. That's not the point, it's satire. It's there's one-dimensional characters on both sides and they're pushed to the extreme. So it's they're not the point of the film and if you put too much detail into them you lose the the message and it becomes because it is serious but it becomes way too serious if all of these other pieces are, are dealt with i think uh, i think meryl streep did a fantastic job maybe you know I, I agree with Gav that it could have been it could have been a non political character and it would have been great and it would have been a really good way to share the message but he went down this other route and then he had to and he, and he's managed to to put characters on both sides. I think Ariana Grande did a fantastic job of being an absolute douche of a pop star. Like, and I think she came off really well. Like, did a really good job for the limited amount of time she's on on the screen for her as her character. She was she was great. Streep uh, Streep was great. Kate uh, Blanchett I think was absolutely fantastic as a as a news anchor. It just was absolutely fantastic. The the two of them on that sort of not Fox News. Uh, show. um I think they just nailed it. It just, it probably, it really was like, a, you know, maybe in some regards, a little bit like a, an SNL sketch at times, but just done so well to such high quality. And I think it would, those bits were funny and infuriating at just the right amount because you want them to get the message across. And, and that for me is, is great acting is that they make you believe in such a, Fantastical situation that's going on. You're like, oh my god, that's that is what's what's happening to us, and, and it's you know you, you you're exasperated, and that's because it's great acting going on. Um, and then yeah, with with Mark, Mark Rylance, I actually think he captured um, these corporations and the owners of corporations have too much power, and this guy, this unassuming Steve Jobs like guy. So yeah, maybe not the the baddie of the real world that we're in you know everyone sort of reckons steve jobs is an absolute you know he was an absolute god you know and he's just a lovely man and all this but Maybe he wasn't, you know. Who knows? Because Elon Musk definitely isn't, and
1: and Jeff Bezos definitely isn't. So I see, I see. You're getting into, you're wading dangerously into lawsuit territory here. (laughs) I know, but we uh, we only really publish on Apple, so I've
2: already said Steve Jobs was a god. So So we might we might get pumped up the uh, up the. Tim but, Cook, what a man he is. <laughs> but, but what I mean is, is that he, I think he's gone down a route with a character who's unassuming, yet yeah, he's absolutely rich. And, you know, he, he's so powerful without uh, coming into a piece. And, and I think he plays the character really well. He's a caricature. He is a, he's a little bit of comic relief for such a horrible man, you know. But it I works. The acting is great for me. I... I it really that was a big part of it because there's a lot of improvisation goes on. And I think the character, I think the actors enjoyed what they were doing and that came across very well. Okay, thanks, Ozzy. Okay, we'll we'll go to you, Dave.
4: You know, we've we've got two completely contrasting views there. Um I'm really quite interested in the characters who get the most screen time. So and Gab says, I'll be disappointed. Do you agree with that?
3: Yeah, I think you, there's certainly scope to be disappointed on this one. I agree with Gav wholeheartedly when he says that um, DiCaprio was miscast. Leonardo DiCaprio, we know, is possibly the most vocal climate change uh, activist in Hollywood. You know, he mentioned it when he accepted his Oscar for The Revenant. He spoke about climate change there. It was a no-brainer to get him on board when you're making a film that's kind of like trying to increase awareness of climate change. You know, Leonardo DiCaprio probably asked to be in it it made sense to get him on board this wasn't the role for him though i understand you no know, he's he's a, he's a big name he's a good actor you probably want him in a primary role but they really should have thought more about casting i think rather than just let's get leo in it um it doesn't work it's it's not the right role for him to pick i think he would have done better with something else um yeah or the character being changed even it just doesn't feel right And, you know, he's kind of set himself up for a lot of criticism from people once again, who pointed out at the time that he accepted his Oscar, that surely his climate change footprint is through the roof. And then comes out all the pictures of him on his private jet and renting the fifth biggest yacht in the world and things like that. And coming in for personal criticism. I think that's also detracted from the message. So I think casting him was a mistake for, for many reasons. Jennifer Lawrence, I think, does the best with what she's given. She's a brilliant actor um but the character like gab says you kind of lose at one point she's kind of pushed into the background a little and that is a shame because i was enjoying her character i think if there are i didn't find it that funny i come back to that point but if there are jokes to be found in here it's her character i find the funniest I thought she's got that that really exasperated sort of uh, humor to it, you know. And she makes, I think, the bit about you know the the general charging them for snacks at the White House. I think that was the one joke that really, really I did find that that, oh, that was funny. That was funny, and I don't understand <laughs> yeah. why it's funny, but it was funny. Um, and that that's one of her repeating jokes. That's a recurring joke with her. Someone we've not mentioned, we've not mentioned Rob Morgan, who is probably got the most screen time after Lawrence and DiCaprio. He plays Dr. Teddy Oglethorpe, who's in charge of the Planetary Defense Committee. And I'm not sure what they were trying to do with his character. His character just comes off as so bland. And it's re- it could have been a really interesting character because he's like the one ally at government level that they've got. He's a scientist himself. You know, he's he's trying to get the ear of the president with them. And I feel this was such a missed opportunity. And the character is so poorly fleshed out. You know, at the end of the world, when Leonardo DiCaprio is having his final dinner with his family and he has Jennifer Lawrence over and her new boyfriend. Also, this guy, Dr. Teddy Oglethorpe, comes for dinner with them. The character is so ill fleshed out; he doesn't even have his own family or friends. You know, it's just, and I, I, I was just, I was left there thinking they've really not given this character much due course of consideration, and he's just kind of there as a soundboard just to kind of explain what the planetary defense is. You know, oh yeah, we're going to see the president. We're going to do. It, it was a waste of a character, and it's a character that could have been quite good. I think Kate Blanchett does a decent job. I wish we'd see more of her. She's not in it enough, and I feel the same way about uh, Timothy Chalamet. Uh, he, again not in it enough wish I'd seen more of him Jonah Hill I despised in this film I just thought you know chief of staff I know Donald Trump had positions in his cabinet for, for his kids but chief of staff was a push too far I think Jonah Hill's character is just a complete moron he's obnoxious He's, he's, he's yeah. He's, he would not <laughs> he would not be allowed to be chief of staff no matter who his parents are it's, it just would not work and I just couldn't connect with the character and it kind of took me out of the moment, I was like no this this isn't plausible anymore, that plausibility is what this film's dining out on and we've lost it with just how over the top that character is I thought Meryl Streep was fine I wouldn't go any further than that, I thought she did okay, Mark Rylance, I liked his performance but the character again and it comes back to my thing about pulling your punches it's clearly meant to be Musk or Bezos or someone of that ilk or calibre and I feel that Makaya has pulled his punch Maybe because he's afraid of the two richest men, two of the richest men on the planet, and why shouldn't he be? But um, I feel if you're really going to do satire, have the balls to to really swing a punch at these guys. And I feel that he's really held back on them. He's he's kind of thought about it. It's like, oh, I'm going to make fun of these entrepreneurs and these guys in the space race, and he's like, oh, but I better not. I better not. You know, they are they are powerful after all. And it's kind of he's had his his opportunity. He's kind of had a, a limp swing at them, but it's not really connected. It's pretty uh. Pretty low velocity projectiles coming from Adam McKay on that one. <laughs> so I just feel yeah, the character was what disappointed me there, as opposed to the performance. Couple of hits, especially in in the supporting cast, but for the most part, this this cast and crew is is a bit of a miss for me. Okay. Um... Alex, you know, judging by some of your facial expressions there. Oh yeah. yeah. I had to stop how- looking at him at one point. Was- <laughs> how well, disappointed was- would
4: you be if I just ended it now?
0: <laughs> I'd be a little upset. <laughs> I'd, yeah. been, I'd be mainly deep breathing. <laughs> <laughs> Going to a really happy place. Um, oh, it say what you need to say. Well, I, you know, I think, I think it's a bit rich to say that Adam McKay doesn't have any balls for not taking a swipe, like the character of Ishuel is clearly based on the top tech mogul. If he didn't, you know, if he just called like you know, weth Wezos, do you know what I mean? That'd be a bit too much. Do you know what I mean? I think it's, it's pretty clear who he's having a go at, level, but it's not. But it's not really trying to be. Do you know what I mean? It's not going to get lost in talking about the space race between them. It's not going to be trying to be that specific. I think Leonardo DiCaprio does an in an, an amazing job in this. I think he's not what you expect but that's because he's a really good actor. So saying that he was miscast because he should be typecast seems he's a fantastic actor and he does, a, does an amazing job. And he's got some incredible lines to deliver as well. This script, you know, to, to back up what the performances are like, there's this bit where he goes on a rant in TV and it's honestly astonishing. Again, you're not laughing at this point because it's just so true. And, you know, he says... He's on, this t- he's on this TV show where they just keep trying to keep it pleasant, keep it pleasant, keep it pleasant. And he just breaks down and he says, stop being so fucking pleasant. You know, if we can't agree that a comet the size of Mount Everest hurtling to Earth is not a good thing, then what's happened to us? And this is what I'm talking about, you know, reaching over, di- over, di- over the divide and not being partisan. Clay Blanchett, I think, is a very nuanced character. She isn't in it loads, but I really like the way that she talks, when she gets together with Leonardo DiCaprio, she talks and it comes out that she speaks lots of languages. She's an incredibly intelligent person. And I thought that was a really interesting point to make because often you see these Fox News people and, you know, when they're being parodied and they're just idiots, they're just, you know, plastic faces, they've got nothing behind them. Whereas it's not true. Actually, these people who work against the climate change, you know I mean, who are climate deniers and work in the system to, to basically screw the planet that we live on are highly intelligent people. So I I thought that was actually very nuanced and I really enjoyed it. Kate DiBiasky isn't in it for a good reason. That's because she's sidelined like so many climate scientists and so many climate scientists have come out in support of this film and have said that the experience that the two main actors and characters go through is exactly how they've been feeling for decades like actually decades and you know for a woman in science to be labeled hysterical is not an uncommon thing and to be sidelined so it wouldn't have it would have done a disservice to the character and what the the point the film was trying to make if she'd had a bigger role in the film because that's the point of the of what they were trying to do um the film promotes discussion and you know it's promoting discussion here and we're talking about it and i think that's what the film wanted to do i think it's a victim of of it being so ballsy so that's why I really disagree with what Dave said then because this is one of the only films about a a climate crisis that is huge that that is going to affect the entire planet and there are very few films like The Day After Tomorrow and you know In Inconvenient Truth there's very few films that have the balls to deal with this and I think when you are one of the only outliers to actually be brave enough to do it you do become a lightning rod for discussion, so if it is divisive. There are lots of different ideas about it. There, you know, yeah, and and you know, I've I've read quite a few climate people who say there are issues with the film that they wish had been addressed in it. But I, I think just because it's got the guts to go after some pretty big targets here, and after a thing, after a make to make a very popular film with an ensemble cast that is entertaining about an issue which we are talking about—the extinction of the planet. That it should be commended for, it should be lauded. And my last thing is that I think, again, another reason it's been so divisive is because it's very effective at taking its pops. I think climate scientists have been well behind it, and I think audience figures have been really behind this film. But I can completely understand why the media, and I've been reading some, in, some of these, would be very offended, because the, 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 the pop, it doesn't pull its punches at all, and I think it goes right to the heart of things, And I think that's what it's done. And I think in a way, I know this sounds a bit like, you know, but I think the measure of the success is because it's been so divisive, because it really has hit a nerve. I think the nerve center, especially in media, and I think especially in government as well. I think this film is an uncomfortable watch for those people. And that's why it's divisive. And for that, It just gets it just gets all all the all the applause from me and it should get it should get all the Oscars. It's not Oscar Bait, it's it's worthy of all the Oscars.
4: All of them. Okay. Well, I'd probably be happy with that to be honest, because then I wouldn't have to watch every (laughs) award being given out to fucking Oscar Bait.
0: Just turn up and say, Don't look up for everything.
4: (laughs) Okay, so I think I've got I've got a fair amount of like really heavy material there, you know, like when you weigh a bag and it's just like really fucking heavy. (laughs)
1: <laughs> that's,
4: that's what it feels like i'm holding it in my hand right now yeah,
1: um, I, f- I feel like your metaphors have uh, <laughs> really slowed down here usually yeah, this they're really visceral they involve like bodily fluids but this
3: one's just about like a bag <laughs> a heavy bag oh you're not gonna get on an easy jet flight with that <laughs>
4: <laughs> a heavy bag that's leaking this Brown sticky liquid. Let's stop
3: there. <laughs> okay, okay, move on. <laughs>
4: okay, Ozzy, I believe you've got a quiz. Knowing you, probably like from the Discovery Channel about space or something.
2: Almost exactly that. Yeah, yeah. So this movie is about a meteor uh, hit on a direct collision course to Earth, and and one of my biggest gripes with the movie Armageddon is that they probably should have trained an as you know an actual astronomer uh, an astronaut how to drill rather than trying to send oil riggers and teach them how to be astronauts <laughs> i think it would have been a more satisfying movie if uh, you know probably maybe they would have succeeded a lot quicker if they'd have just done it that way however maybe bruce willis wouldn't have had to die well potentially maybe. but you spoiler know spoiler alert <laughs> <yes>. <laughs> uh, I've lost my train of thought. I know what I was saying about. Oh yeah, Hmm. but in Armageddon, how how uh, big? What state in America um, did they describe um, the asteroid as being? How big was it? Texas. Yeah, I was going to say Texas as well. Correct, it was Texas. Well done. In in another meteorite headed towards Earth, uh, 1958 horror movie, probably one of Gav's favourite meteorite horror movies. (laughs) Um, what <laughs> how the many is there? Meteorite
4: horror movies. I
2: don't know. I'm not sure. I've not counted them all up yet, but you've got a quiz full of them. Uh, what monster does Steve McQueen inadvertently free from a meteorite? Uh, the oh, Dave, it was the Blob. it is the Blob? Yes,
3: yes.
1: In a... he knew what he was doing. <laughs> inadvertently, <laughs> <laughs> that McQueen. <laughs> he, he had to get back at them for keeping him in that camp for so long. <laughs>
2: Long, long time, uh, long time, Hobbit Elijah Wood. Um, long
1: time <laughs> Hobbit.
3: Have <laughs> you <reading> the CV? <laughs> long time Hobbit, first time sorcerer. <laughs> <laughs> so he uh, he uh, prior
2: to prior to being in uh, in Mordor, he he starred in an asteroid movie with Tia Leone and. Wow.
0: Is it the faculty? Deep uh, impact.
2: It is deep impact. I on not Speaking of. Deep impact.
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> the Marvel Cinematic Universe uh, really hit home in in across its sort of ten year span, um, and and was a first by having a real cinematic Hollywood blockbuster featuring primarily uh, a black cast. The nation of Wakanda was actually built on a meteorite, but what was it made of? Ooh, bam.
1: Oh, bam. Oh, yeah. Sorry, Joel
4: uh it's thingo, isn't it like a bam vibranium
2: Adam- vibranium vibranium yeah vibranium. So, okay. it's not as good
0: as the avatar mineral which is called ob- L- unobtainium you <laughs> 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 may sort of just call it maguffium <laughs> yeah. i just like the way someone probably wrote it out like Unobtainian, and like James Cameron was like shit. Did not change that in the script. Like, <laughs> control F, Control R, James. Remember
2: it next time. Oh, like it
4: had been like so many hours, and they were just like, "Fuck it, let's just go with that."
2: <laughs> <laughs> Roll. Star of the American Office, Steve Carell, had a very uh, similar apocalyptic comedy called Seeking a Friend for the End of the World. But who was his uh, buddy in that? Ow.
0: Isn't it Kieran Knightley? Um,
2: it is Kieran Knightley, star of one, one of the greatest rom coms of all time. Love Actually. Atonement?
0: <laughs> <laughs>
2: it is funnier than Love Actually, to be honest. <laughs>
1: um,
2: and longtime favorite of the podcast. Um, which author wrote and directed in the 1986 horror comedy Maximum Overdrive? The comic caused machines come to life. Bam. It's Stephen King. It is Stephen King. (laughs) And finally, probably one of my favorite of all animated franchises, Collision Course is the fifth movie of
1: Ice Age.
2: It is Ice Age. Correct. Well done. (laughs) And that that is the end of the quiz. And I think we can all say here that the winner is podcasts. Meteors. (laughs) Meteors.
1: <laughs> the meteors will win in the end. Meteors never lose.
4: <laughs> okay, thanks, Ozzy.
2: Anytime.
1: <laughs> but literally, not anytime. <laughs> literally, the opposite of anytime.
4: Once or twice a year, maybe. <laughs> um, okay, so you know, I'm thinking here that it'd just be nice to just say what list it's on and just be done with it. Because it just feels like such a heavy subject matter. I feel like I'm going to offend somebody just by like <laughs> even speaking just, on this subject. Just don't look Alex. at us.
0: Just look at the wall and say it. <laughs> I can
4: see Alex looking at me. I can almost feel my soul just dying. <laughs> um, so, yeah, like looking at the cast of this film and looking at the subject matter, it instantly drew me in. Like obviously the the message and things like that. You know, we're, we're all kind of big advocates of kind of, you know, cleaning the planet up, that type of thing. You only have to look at, you know, the impact the coronavirus has when people weren't outside, like how nature started healing itself and all that type of stuff. Um, so, you I mean, obviously the message is very positive and I don't think anybody can really argue that. It just depends on, you know, how it's, how it's said, how it's portrayed. I really kind of liked what Alex said as well about the kind of media reviews kind of maybe being a little bit more negative because they are kind of slightly to blame for maybe kind of sweeping some of this stuff under the carpet and maybe they're a little bit offended. And in terms of, like, the prosecution, it sounded as though the satire was maybe a little bit too forced and maybe, like, a little bit kind of too obvious and kind of being jammed down your throat a little bit, almost kind of trivialising, you know, the issues that it's it's attempting to highlight. Kind of so much so, really, that it never really gets comedy right or the social commentary side of it right which is always something that I'm kind of afraid of with these type of films that it kind of tries to do too much in in terms of making a serious film but maybe sprinkling some lightheartedness in and around that and it kind of never really kind of hits those notes kind of as it goes along. Obviously I think the biggest thing here aside from you know the, the whole kind of climate change message is is going to be the cast like I think everybody saw the cast, whether you're into films or not, you know, everybody knows the names in this film. And yeah, it sounds like we just had two completely contrasting views on this. I mean, as we normally do, but I think in this one, especially like both sides just had completely different things to say. But overall, kind of the message that it took was that maybe it's a little bit of a a missed opportunity in terms of some of the cast, like whether they were miscast, whether it was like poor acting or whether it was just poor writing. And overall, the whole kind of package as a film, what I kind of took from what everybody says was, was that it kind of sounds a little bit like excessive, you know, cynicism. Like it's it sounds like an extremely negative film. And I understand that, you know, the issues that it's trying to deal with need highlighting and need bringing to the forefront and all that type of thing. But at the same time, I feel like there's a there's a right way and a wrong way of portraying that and maybe making somebody go through that and watch it. You know, if it's too negative, somebody's just going to come out of it and be like, well, fuck that, you know, I, I'm not, you know, it, it didn't, you know, take up my interest or anything like that. I always feel like if it's maybe a little bit more uplifting at the end, even if it's just like, it's not too late till it's too late type of thing, you know, maybe have ended on more of a positive note that it could be like a a little bit more accepting to to everybody as an audience. So I think for that reason, I'm going to put it on the shit list. Oh. Oh, that's it.
3: it's a shame.
1: Aussie, nice. so. does it feel like all of your hens have come back to roost? All those bad decisions you made as a judge. <laughs>
3: yeah. This
1: is for Gattaca. <laughs>
3: <laughs> Films on trial never forgets. <laughs> so uh,
1: yeah, like genuine opinions. Then Aussie, you were quite vocal there, so let's go with you first.
2: I loved it. I thought it was brilliant. I thought it was utterly depressing yet entertaining like at the end of the film i yeah katie and i we just sat there like fuck what a good film like what a what a tough message to, to have passed over i really enjoyed it there were bits which i thought were shit like jonah hill i don't like him anyway but not but i didn't mind i thought it was just about enough of him and um, i thought it was funny i thought it was uh heartfelt um i thought it was really well done I thought this was a better watch than Vice but mainly because it was a bit more funny. And Vice was very 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 serious. Uh, you know, I thought it was, I thought it was well done. It was a bit tough for the first quarter, just poor like bit poor editing, but it got into it really got behind it and I, I think it was a really good film.
0: Thanks Ozzy and Alex. Yeah, no, I think it's a really really good film. Like um yeah, quite quite an important film. I do. I know. I know what Joel means. I mean, it's hard to think of a comedy and a light film that ends with the destruction of the entire planet. But also, I think that if it sort of dreamed up some sort of positive ending where the planet didn't hit get hit by the comet, yeah. that would have just been a complete betrayal of the film itself. And I just don't think they could. I just don't think they could do that. I think you know that the plot comet's going to hit all the way through. And if they'd not done it, then it would have felt like such a cop out. I I think it is divisive and I think it's, I think the film sort of knew it would be. I think the message of it just saying like, why are we being so divided about this? Why are we, why have we got different opinions about a crisis that affects us all? Is a really, really strong message and I think I can forgive it. Probably, you know, there aren't flaws in the film if you look at it from a film point of view, but I think the message really is so powerful and so strong that I would forgive it any flaw really um you know the prosecution did pick out some stuff that was you know probably what about if jonah hill was just
4: naked in (laughs) it i
0: I like jonah hill in it i thought he was quite good um Mm. but no i yeah so 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 that's what that's what i would say i think a lot of people would agree and probably put it on the shit list but i uh, i don't see it myself
1: thanks alex and
3: dave i thought it was okay I I, it, I would have edged it under the hit list myself, personally. Uh, but it's not perfect. You know, it is a very divisive film, and I can see why. You can tell that, as Alex was saying, that a few cages have been rattled here by the way these attacks are coming on. I referenced the, uh, you know, people calling DiCaprio a hypocrite because of his carbon footprint. Why This is coming out because I think he's rattled a few cages here. And, and people are trying to, you know, the media and whoever's pulling the strings behind there are trying to, like, take him down a peg or two a bit unfairly I have to say because he does make amends for a lot of his, his carbon emissions but yeah I think it has rattled some cages but what got to me about the film and why I wouldn't necessarily say it's a sure fight hit is what Gav said and he's right it's not going to change any minds and I think it's just going to send those people that already believe in climate change are just going to be sitting there going yeah we're all stupid we're fucked and those who don't believe in climate change are just going to say, oh, this is liberal bullshit. Look at them now. And it's not going to change. No one's going to meet in the middle here. It's not going to change any minds. And if you've got a message this powerful, surely you've got to hope you've got to try and get through to someone who hasn't heard your message before. And this film just seems to be sending out the message to the people who already know. But, and but that's I, why I feel but, the. But sorry. we already do know this is what I don't quite understand. We already do know. Do you know what I mean? I, I don't think we should be convinced no, 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 liked- that the
0: media is
3: hitting. No, no, you like them. You like the film because you've heard the message before, and you agree that this message needs to go out. The people who haven't heard the message yet, who don't believe in climate change, aren't going to respond to this. They're what not going to be res- re- What would they respond to? Uh, well, that, that's yeah. that's a you, you, We're getting down a, we're going down a rabbit hole. We're pulling. We're <laughs> there, pulling yeah. I don't know. I, that, that was kind but of my overall
4: point at the end. You know, I agree
3: but... with what Gav was saying that this isn't going to change minds. Unfortunately, you know, it's got, it's got. Um, I think it's a film with good heart. I think it's got a good intent. But I think the execution in the end was just a little too sloppy. Um, and it wasn't that funny. You know, if you look at that like, films where, it end, you know, uh, warnings going unheeded in the end of the world, look at Dr. Strangelove. That film was funnier than this. You know, at least the comedy was there throughout, even though there was the ending of mutually assured destruction coming yeah. our way. Um, and I think this film owes a huge debt to Dr. Strangelove. I think it's it's been influenced by, uh, by it quite heavily. But it just didn't have that humor. And I think the satire was a little one note for me. Um I would have put it on the hit list because it is a film with good intention and a solid message that we should be listening to, but I just feel the execution just wasn't as clean cut as it should have been.
1: Well, uh, thanks for that, Dave. I I really liked it. I I, I really liked it. Um, but I do also agree with some of what I was saying. I, when I was watching this, I was like, I completely completely understand everything Alex and Ozzy said, and I completely agree wholeheartedly with it. But I also think that the I'm going to say all of Adam McKay's fans or people who watch Adam McKay's films and like them are probably the same people who already know about the impending climate crisis. As you said, I don't think anybody's going to find this film out and, and watch it and be like, oh, you know what? Yeah, he's right. Yeah, we should do something about it. I don't know. It just... Like it, I think maybe it is because it is a very hard thing to do to create a comedy film that has such demoralizing messages, you know, because it, it is a case of like, yeah, we are fucked in case we all come together and do something about it. And it just feels like that's not going to happen, you know, regardless of if the film was made or not. And I don't know, you know, like yeah, I I, I did really enjoy it though. I I, I shat on it quite a bit in that in that trial, but I did re- I did really enjoy it. But I watched it with my wife, who didn't like it that much. And at the end of it, we both both turned it off, and we're just like shit. And I I feel like this all the time. I always think about the climate crisis, and uh, you know, I I try and. Bury my head in the sand sometimes because, you know, there's only so much you can do as individuals. You know, I I recycle, I plant trees for, you know, to counteract any carbon emissions, uh, donate to, you know... have got a bee hotel in your garden. I've got a bee hotel in my garden, yeah, well done, Joel. You know, but there's only so much you can do as individuals and it's about, like, convincing those conglomerates to change their ways and about... Convincing those in power to change their ways. um, we're just fucking not gonna do that with with a film or well with with anything, you know, I just
2: <laughs> that could be the one <laughs> put this on the hit list. It might have been one step in the right direction. <laughs> <laughs> that would have been our
0: bit.
1: That would have been our bit. Now we this. We're on the side of shell oil. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay. Sorry, guys. So um, higher level than our previous film on Char, which was The Matrix Resurrections, which scored 62% and 64% on Rotten Tomatoes. I right, really. think,
0: sadly, it's so divisive that it's fucking... I think the critics have panned it, but I think audiences like it.
1: So I think it's uh, right. lower and higher in that respect. Well, yeah, to, to be honest, Alex is on the money there. You know, you're completely right. 55% critical and 78% audience. So, uh, yeah, I think, uh, you know, what Alex and Ozzy were talking about a little bit there, about why it's getting such a backlash in the media, might be onto
3: something there a little bit. Right. Uh, I, well, did, I did read uh, one private review that referred to climate change in quotation marks. <laughs> <laughs> and that was, that was a negative review. So I do think, yeah, there's there's a lot of personal opinion coming into play here. I read a really good
0: review where it was talking about and it was saying like um, the problem with the film is that it's like it's got this we're all in it together as if the climate crisis will impact everyone equally like a killer comet. And his problem or her her problem, sorry, was like it's not going to hit everyone equally. So actually people in poor countries will be hit, which I thought was really an interesting point to make. Do you know what I mean? But. I think, I just think, sorry, last little soapbox thing. I just think when a film like this comes along, and because there's just so few films like it, I do think it becomes like a lightning rod. So it does seem like it needs to be, it's unfair what we, the sort of role that we put this sort of a film on, because there's so few other films like it, that when a film does come along to tackle these issues, it's like, well, it's not perfect, so fuck it. But I think at least least it's doing it. And for me, just the fact that it's a film about climate crisis would...
4: That well, is so, five the most
0: farming wood. Yeah, that's that's, <laughs> that's true. That was yeah. way way ahead of its
1: time. <laughs> yeah, it was. That, was. that was the film Gav wanted twenty years. <laughs> what, what a brave move that was as well to put a, a TV program. It is so devastating on just before you le- left the house to go to school. <laughs> I remember watching that. I just feel uh, so just upset, despondent <laughs> yeah. for the rest I of know. the day.
0: I know. <laughs> oh, it was devastating. Yeah, Be on the I playground, know. just like did did you see what happens? Like, yeah, 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 yeah.
1: yeah. <laughs> that little rabbit. Fuck. No, I, <laughs> I never got over Mole's death. <laughs> we, none of us did David explains why my grades in school were so bad <laughs> uh, right okay so uh, what have we learned today we're all fucked that's it we're, we're all doomed you guys all, uh, listen to as much film central content yeah. as you can Ro- rom-com season next guys <laughs> <laughs> yeah we really need to try and raise the mood a little bit and move into rom-coms <laughs> or romance films so there's five of us so five rom-coms back to back starting with a film that's going to be well. Terminator? What sorry? Terminator. The Terminator. Terminator. <laughs> Come with me if you want to live. Uh, <laughs> oh god! That's, that doesn't sound like a very good pickup line, does it? Like <laughs> that? <laughs> no, no, uh, so yeah, that it, it, cool, and man. so we're starting off our new rom-com season, kickstarting it on. Valentine's Day, so our next episode is going to be out on February the 14th, and it is Austin's choice, and it is Clueless. Uh, The film that is, because initially when I messaged Ozzy and said, you've got to pick a a rom-com, and he just texts back, Clueless. I thought he was just telling me that he he had never seen a (laughs) rom-com. No, but uh, yeah, so our our first uh, rom-com is going to be Clueless, which is going to be released on February the 14th, so please do tune in, guys. It's going to be a good one. If you want to check out more Films on Trial content, go on FilmsOnTrial.co.uk. Check us out on Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, or Instagram, Films on Trial. So that is it. Thank you very much for everybody who's listened. We have reviewed Don't Look Up, and it is a shit, unfortunately. Sorry, <laughs> Planet Air.
4: <Earth. laughs> Captain Planet.
1: <laughs> so uh, that's it. We're going to be directly in your ears on February the 14th with... Clueless. Goodbye. So it sounded like a question there, didn't it? Goodbye. Goodbye. (laughs) Which was essentially the end of Don't Look Up. (laughs) I think it was a pretty firm goodbye.